So it's really sweet to be here with you on this rainy night. My power has been on and off and on and off. <laughs> right now it's on. <laughs> if I disappear, you'll know what happened. It's all impermanent anyway. Thank you for that sweet introduction. I thought she's right. I am way too busy. <laughs> Just like, who made up this life? I, I, I wanted to add just because it makes me happy. I, I also recently have begun working with wildland firefighters through San Francisco Zen Center offering retreats and ref, refuge and respite for uh, people on the front lines of the fire, uh, taking care of the fire for all of us that will surely, sadly, but surely come again. So, um, that was a lovely uh, echo that fit right in with what I wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, this is the time of year when Mahapajapati uh, is honored, our first original ancestor, woman ancestor. I think your echo said she was a lay person. Maybe I misheard that because she's an acharya, which would... She was, uh, uh, she, she, she took full vows. Anyway, uh, I'm probably not the only one that's noticed, uh, what an amazing world this is and what a precious thing it is to have a human body. And, uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> what a world we, we live in. And it seems to me, uh, calling on and looking to our ancestors feels like very wise practice. Uh, Mahabajapati, I, 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 uh, I love her story. It's so, it's so human. Uh, everyone involved in this story is deeply human. So let me start with you. You may probably already know it, but I, it's one of those things where it's like a children's story, but it's not. It's a very grown-up story. You can hear it a million times, and each time you hear it, it will go in. This is in Hidden Lamp. Mahapajapati opens the door. India, 6th century BCE. Mahapajapati was the aunt and foster mother of the Buddha and a queen of the Shakyas. Many women turned to her for counsel when their husbands and sons left home to join the Buddha's order. She was the first to ask the Buddha if women could also ordain. She was ordained. She asked. And the Buddha replied, Don't set your heart on this. She asked two more times and received the same answer. And she departed in tears. Later, Mahapajapati and 500 other women cut off their hair, put on saffron-colored robes, and walked barefoot for hundreds of miles to where the Buddha was teaching. And weeping, they stood outside the gates. Ananda saw them there and asked Mahapajapati, Why are you crying? Because the Buddha does not permit women to ordain, she responded. Ananda went to the Buddha and said, Buddha, 
Your aunt is standing outside with swollen feet, covered with dust, crying because you do not permit women to ordain. It would be good, Lord, if women had permission to ordain. And the Buddha replied, enough, Ananda. Don't set your heart on this. Ananda asked two more times to no avail. And then he asked the Buddha, are women able, Lord, to realize the full fruits of the way, even our hardship? Yes, Ananda, they are. Since women are able to realize perfection, and since Mahapajapati was so kind to you, caring for you and suckling you at her own breast, surely it would be good if women were allowed to ordain. The Buddha relented and the Sangha of women was born. Uh, Thanissara has a reflection here. I just wanted to read uh, uh, part of it because I think it's so beautiful. Let us take courage from Mahapajapati, who was victorious because she kept her heart set. This is a courageous heart, knowing heart. Depth of intuition heart, beautiful heart, profoundly listening heart, ancient pulse of the earth heart, devoted heart, radical heart, heart that loves all beings. This is Prajnaparamita heart, which does not waver even though it trembles in the face of unimaginable suffering. This is the heart of staying true to the precious Dharma to the end of all times. Homage to you, Mahapajapati. We follow your benevolent and wise calling. Keep your heart set on this. We should humbly add and note that there were eight conditions laid out for the creation of the female monastic order. Nuns, no matter how senior, must defer to monks, even new ones. This still happens in Theravadan countries, although it's changing some. They could never chide or advise a monk, and yet had to seek the counsel of the male order and abide by the rules of both, of both the male and female orders. Nuns also had to study two years before being ordained compared to a year for monks and had to live within six hours travel of a male order. Two of the things that I hold dear in this story is that Mahapajapati never wavered. She set her heart on what she knew was true all the way through. And the image, it's so embodied that she, along with five hundred other women cut their hair, put on robes, but most particularly what my focus, uh, where my focus goes is on their swollen, dusty, bloody feet. They walked. Feet on the earth.
So Mahapajapati gives us great guidance for these times, I think. Uh, we are walking on the same earth. Often my heart and feet feel bloody. <laughs> Maybe in a more metaphorical sense, when I listen to the news, when I see what's happening to our planet and climate crisis. Just as Mahabhajapati's time, there is uh, injustice and systemic hierarchy. of populations that keep saying, I think this deep vow says all of us not to leave anyone out. Keep looking, keep listening. Our deepest heart knows the wholeness, the oneness of all things. I look to uh, Zenju Earthling, some of her language, Zenju Earthling Manuel. Mahabhajapati's bloody feet, and in Zenju's words, if I use them, uh, I feel it in my own body. All of this rattles my bones, the shamanic bones of Zen. I'm so glad we have a tradition that we can let our bones be rattled all the way through. As the first ancestor uh, in India, Bodhidharma said, skin, flesh, bones, and marrow all the way through. Don't stop. Don't turn away. What is your heart set on? What do you know is the deepest truth? And how do we embody it and manifest it on this earth? I'm going to share a couple things from Earthling. It is said that the ancestors are in the womb of Mother Earth giving birth. And we are them. We are them. Don't think somebody else is going to do this. Embody it. Set their heart. Follow it all the way through. Ancestors are everyone and everything that existed on the planet before your birth. Ancestors can include the earth, moon, sun, and stars. They can include the people in your blood lineage, loved or unloved. Included are those whom we want to disown because we feel they did not walk with integrity or were harmful to others. Their wrongful actions, in quotes, have something to do with how we personally and collectively live. And they, too, are ancestors. Ancestors are also people in the lineage of your spiritual practice and being as beings in the lineage of life itself. All spiritual and re- religious paths are ancestral. Buddhism is an ancestral practice in which the Buddha is the most revered ancestor. This is why offerings from the earth are made to his teachings. The Buddha knew himself to be a stream of ancestors, also known as Buddhas. There were Buddhas before the one Buddha who is exalted today. 
when we talk about the bones of the ancestors, we are talking about wisdom, wisdom passed to us to manifest and embody in this time. Buddhism, Benju says, arose from the flames of suffering among the people of India. It emerged from the suffering Buddha saw among his Shakya people, the poor, the aged, those dying from neglect, and all those he felt needed the kind of liberation that he discovered. It is important to remember that ritual and ceremony and practice arose in Buddhism because it was the way an ancient people attended to suffering. We are here attending to suffering, our own, the suffering of the earth, and the suffering of the peoples of the earth. So, Shakyamuni Buddha. down on the earth he touched the earth he affirmed the earth he affirmed his dharma position with and for all beings he actually called on the ancient goddess Pravithi to witness often an image of the Buddha touching the earth and of her reaching up. Sometimes uh, it says, and the earth shook like a joyful woman. Here, I want to quote something from uh, Norman Fisher that I found that I thought was quite beautiful. In touching the earth, the Buddha was not only calling on the earth goddess to be his protector and his helper. He was saying, the earth is my body. My body expresses earth, is produced and supported by earth, is made exclusively of earth elements. Nothing on earth, no matter how frightening, can threaten this indestructible earth body. Even if it is broken up into a million pieces, it remains. Going home to its mother who gave birth to it, who embraces it now and always will embrace it. With this gesture of truth, belonging, and ultimate invulnerability born of surrender to and identity with the earth, Buddha expresses his absolute fearlessness. And in doing so, defeated Mara. It's from here that awakening unfolds. And this is exactly true of all of us. Our bodies, like Mahapajapati and all of the ancestors that flow on our beautiful Kechimiyaku, are all human bodies and of the earth. (laughs) They are not transcendent. They are you and me. They rise up from her and are nurtured, fed, and are illumined by her. Our bodies are in constant touch with earth and return to earth and from which they have never parted. Zenju Earthling, uh, she's written so many beautiful things. 
one of the things that stays most deeply with me is what she wrote after George Floyd was murdered. She said, if you are still holding up trying to meditate, I invite you to fall down. Fall down on the earth. Come down here on the earth. Bury your face in the mud of this intimate place in this shared place of suffering. Come down here and be still on the earth. Let loose shame, rage, guilt, grief, pain, and make a river of it come down here. And catch the love poems hidden in the shouting. And watch the unfolding of the seasons from the ground. Look up at the sky. And when it hurts from being down here so long, roll over and see what you couldn't see from the other side. Roll on the earth, fall fall down. Fall off your soft cushion. Fall off all of your ideas about this or that. Come down here. What is your heart set on? Listen deeply over and over and over again. As Mahapajapati, courageous heart, deep listening, true, compassionate heart. Another ancestor, A. H. Dogen. Know if he was in the echo or not? Maybe he was. Shinryo Suzuki Roshi. Here's something from Suzuki Roshi. I was figuring I'm building a case here. I could say this, but I figure if I line up all the ancestors, then maybe we'll all just line up with it. And okay. Mahapajapati, Shakyamuni, Mahapajapati, Bodhidharma, Hogan, <laughs> Suzuki Roshi. I do this a lot. What are they saying? And what is the teaching? And what does it have to do with us right now? From Suzuki Roshi. We say everything has Buddha nature. So we have to treat everything as Buddha. But what we mean by Buddha nature is not some special nature. There is nothing but Buddha nature. When we say Buddha nature, everything has Buddha nature. This is already wrong. But tentatively, we must say everything has Buddha nature. In Japanese, for instance, I have two eyes. You say, I have two eyes. But we do not say, I have two eyes. We say, there is two eyes. The meaning is different. And and in the Chinese character, I have, the word have means skin, you know, which is part of our body. So when I say, I have two eyes, it means Our eyes is part of ours and part of our skin. 
There is one mouth. There are two eyes. There are two ears. It means I have two eyes. I have one mouth. I have one nose. And the have means that it's all part of everything. It means flesh or skin, skin, flesh, bones, and marrow all the way through. This body is our own, and it is so much more than we can even imagine. According to Dogen Zenji, Buddha includes everything. Whatever there is in this world, that is part of Buddha nature. If there is something outside of it, outside of Buddha, that is Buddha too. And he laughs. So it includes everything. Dogen Zenji says, everyone is family itself. You must treat everything. You must treat a grain of rice as if it is your own eyes. Eyes is part of you, and so is the grain of rice. And so is the person next to you. And so is the person that you think is other. He says, we respect things and everyone very much. That is our practice. Our practice. We just sat zazen. This is our ritual passed to us through the ancestors. Although I think sometimes we should take off our shoes and walk barefoot on the earth and in the dust. Sometimes we march in the streets. Who knows where if we follow our feet and our hearts, it will take us. Zazen is our embodied ritual passed to us from the ancestors. Sitting on the earth of the earth, breathing and being breathed. Here's a little bit more from that quote by Norman Fisher. Returning awareness to the body and the breath over and over again. Over the course of one sitting or many sittings for years, decades, a lifetime. Interrupts the usual flow of thinking profoundly based on the assumption of a discrete self inhabiting a unitary body. Once that flow is interrupted and awareness is returned to the flow of lived experience in the present moment of being alive, a moment in which everything arises and disappears at once and seems to be both there and not there, life feels different. We have entered mystery. We have entered wonder. We have entered wonder and awe. We have entered not knowing is most intimate. I don't know about you, but what I feel a lot these days is I don't know. Over and over, intimate with I don't know. All I know, and I don't even know what that means, but I'm willing to trust it is that my heart is set on something very deep, a very deep vow. And so the work is to listen over and over, falling down, getting up, 
The body no longer appears to be the body per se. Somehow with an awareness of the process of living, the body becomes more than it is. It becomes identical with the awareness and there isn't a beginning or an end to it. And the body is more than a body and your life is more than your life. This becomes a conviction and a calm confidence in the body itself and therefore in our heart-mind. This is what my heart is set on. Complete not knowing what that means or how to embody it, but I trust it all the way through. Hogan says, here with the body, here with the body, and listen with the mind. To hear with the ear is an everyday matter, but to hear with the eye is not always so. When you see Buddha, you see self-Buddha and other Buddha, a large Buddha or a small Buddha. This is where faith arises from, deep Buddha eyes, Buddha body. Before awakening, ancient Buddhas were like us. When awakened, we will be and are like those of old. This is our job, bodhisattvas. Saving and being saved. Please take responsibility. There's something about being in the pivot point in the body of this swinging gate the relative and the absolute. Each foot firmly placed on the earth. Together, the whole world comes forward to save us in ways we can't even begin to imagine. But we let it touch us close. Ending delusions of separate or me over here, or I can do it, or I can't do it. Ending delusions and being ended by sitting deeply right in the midst of our very human delusions. Even the Buddha, for goodness sakes. Mahapajapati, Ananda. Oh, no, sorry. (laughs) Buddha listened. Was turned by the deep-hearted wisdom of those around him. By love. Entering Dharma gates and being entered, not holding our lives back wholeheartedly placing each foot on the earth. Letting the suffering touch us, our own suffering. Where else are we going to know about suffering intimately? Start with your own. Study it all the way through. And then look with Buddha eyes and eyes of compassion and understand we're all in the same boat, everyone. 
Can we at least have a little cushioning? No, not that we don't have suffering. I don't want to in any way minimize that. And we do have the comfort of white skin and of a culture where mostly we are safe. Look deeply. Vowing to become Buddha's way, vowing to become Mahapajapati's way, and Bodhidharma, and Dogen, and Suzuki Roshi, all the way through, not turning away, and the willingness to hear the sounds and the cries of the world. Bodhidharma said, what's the deepest meaning of the holy truths? I love that question. What's the deepest meaning of the holy truths? The truths the Buddha revealed right here in this death world. That Mahabhajapati enacted and why we honor her in this time. Courageous heart, knowing heart, depth of intuition heart, beautiful heart, profoundly listening heart, ancient pulse of the earth heart, devoted heart, radical heart, heart that loves all beings, prajnaparamita heart, which does not waver even though it trembles in the face of unimaginable suffering. Please. Tremble and feel your feet on the earth. I wanted to um, move towards closure with uh, one of Zenju's beautiful chants in her book. Based on the Yogacara by Vasubandhu. She calls it Hearts of Nirvana. May the great way of easing suffering be passed on for generations, beginning with planting the seeds of enlightenment that lead to hearts of enlightenment, that lead to fields of wisdom and compassion, that lead to the pathway of liberation and freedom. May the seeds of suffering be uprooted for the sake of all beings. And may the seed of infinite joy be spread throughout the world ending the roots of harm, hatred, and misunderstanding, ending the roots of hostility, hypocrisy, envy, and selfishness, ending the roots of supremacy and false pride of any kind. May the afflictions within our stories of suffering be revealed, knowing that all who suffer, suffer the same afflictions knowing that all life is transforming, ever-flowing. Every moment is a chance to plant new seeds, new seeds that create new and selfless acts of love, new seeds that endure throughout time, new seeds that represent our inherent interrelationship, which represents the whole cosmos. May the seeds of enlightenment Come forth from within, illuminating hearts of enchantment, hearts of clarity and complete perception, 
hearts of awareness of all bodies and minds, hearts of non-judgment. There is nirvana in all beings and in all things. All consciousnesses are within all other consciousnesses. All seeds exist before they exist and need only be planted to be born. All beings exist before they exist and need only be planted to be born. When there is no coming or no going amid conditions, no being or non-being amid conditions, there is nirvana. Right here on this earth, in this body, our feet on the earth, our hearts set on awakening and the deepest truth. Here's an echo. It's often done in a ceremony to Mahapajapati. In the pure reality body, there is no coming or going. No self and other, no female or male, nor silence or sound. From this solitary body, myriad awakened ones appear to embody the Dharma. Responding to beings like the moon shining in water. Mahajapati appeared in this world with compassion and wisdom vast and wide. In honoring and celebrating her life, we have reflected on radical and earthly inclusion. No one left out. One skin, one heart. All the way through. We dedicate the merit and virtue of this practice to Acharya Mahapachapati Gautama, who set forth on her path 2,500 years ago establishing the wholeness of the embodied way on this earth. That is Buddha's body. With red heart and steadfast resolve, she encourages beings to find their own voice and realize and enact the Buddha Dharma. May her pure practice and devotion dissolve barriers to understanding and awareness. And may we all beings practice together endlessly so that all can know happiness and peace right here on this very earth. And may the earth know peace and healing for us all. So bodhisattvas, this is our joyful job. What else are you going to do with a one and precious life? Suzuki Roshi said, when he talks about the precepts, he said, if you think it's too hard or you can't do it, he said, that's delusion. Just said moment after moment, all you do is you say, yes, I will. So just set your heart on, yes, I will. So um, we have a little bit of time and I'd love to hear from all of you. Uh, should we do the 
end of lecture chant and then do that? Or it feels like question and answer is also part of the lecture. I mean, there's, you got you guys yeah, we, are. We usually do it at the very end after. At the, that feels, yeah. okay, Bodhisattvas. What, what do you have to say? What are you, what are your hearts set on or anything else that you would like to share or reflect on here? Great. We'll pass the mic around here in person and people on Zoom can raise their hand so we know you want to speak. At the moment, I can't see everybody, though. Larry. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for your talk. Um, I will confess that uh, coming from a profession where logic uh, predominated for 35 years, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand what you were saying yet. Um, it, 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 it has penetrated and, and uh, I feel inspired uh, by your words. Um, so uh, it, it, it's kind of strange for me to say I don't understand yet. I feel it's it's penetrated, but uh, that's how I feel. So thank you very much. That moves me really deeply. <laughs> we all have very logical, linear brains. They're wonderful at what they do. And we sit down with them right in the middle of this mystery and this muddle and this mess. And, uh, devote ourselves to listening. And then if our logical linear brains can help us enact, please go for it. <laughs> but from deep ground, otherwise we'll just keep doing the same old thing. I don't see hands yet, but maybe Larry sort of captured something, you know, about not necessarily having words, but feeling your your message. I, I feel that, Chris, um, even just just the unconditional yes you're inviting us to step into. Um, it's thank you. Clem. Hi, Chris. Uh, thank you very much for your talk. The uh, the close of it reminded me of a saying that I got out of a publication called The Book of Texas Wisdom. And it was attributed to the uh, founder of the Mary Kay Cosmetics Corporation. And what she said was, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. And uh, I, th I think he captured that quite well. I love that that wisdom came from Texas and Mary Kay because we need wisdom coming from many places all over the country and the great above and the great below. And th thank you and um, amen. May we keep listening 
to each other deeply. Karen. Thank you so much for your beautiful talk tonight. So, um, so really resonates with me today. And, um, and uh, also speaking of wisdom coming from the unexpected places, it was really, um, I appreciated you reminding um, us that the ancestors include those that um, we've kind of like blocked out and, and disregarded and uh, really put in another place because that, you know, that really hurt or <laughs> that's, you know, just that resistance is uh, something to open up to and, and acknowledge that, yeah, that, that is our ancestor as well that we continue to learn from. And yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. It's really, it's really important, both internal, because we've all got those parts of ourselves, probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> which like, I'll take this, but if I could just that part. <laughs> and then, of course, then we project it outside on to others. So we just, what a beautiful practice that we just sit down in the midst of it all. We just sit here and we touch the earth. We breathe in these bodies. We feel what needs to be felt. Sensations, impulses arise and pass, thoughts, but we follow them all the way through. And it's not always comfortable. So, so maybe, maybe we, uh, when we do the bodhisattva, the the bodhisattva vows, uh, if we really think about it, the bodhisattva vows are not comfortable at all. (laughs) It's actually one of the reasons I love them because they're absolutely impossible. And my deepest heart knows the truth of them. So, we can end with saying the bodhisattva vows and uh, not from rote, but uh, from letting them penetrate and breathe with them and feel them. As we honor the ancestors and Mahapajapati and Shakyamuni Buddha and the depth of this beautiful tradition that we have, I'll speak for myself as I don't know how I landed here, but I'm really, really grateful and very grateful that I landed here with all of you this evening.